1: Welcome to Conversations with Creative Vagabonds, Thinkers and Innovators. This is the place where great minds come to chat, and I am your host, Sandra Lee Schubert, and welcome to the show. Two.
0: Two. Gotcha.
1: Well, welcome everybody. This is I am indeed Sandra Lee Schubert, your host. And I am broadcasting from the Iconic Images Gallery in Downtown Booton, New Jersey. And I have my guest today. We've got a little we've got a little feedback here. Can you hear that, Jerry?
0: Uh, I I can hear you.
1: Oh, good, good. I've got a little feedback here, so I just want to make sure I'm all right. But I just want to say we're broadcasting from Iconic Images Art Gallery in Boonton, New Jersey. I want to thank Dave Pucciarelli for giving us the space. I'm actually broadcasting live from a window, so it's kind of funny. So I'm broadcasting from a small town in a window in an art gallery, and I'm talking to the famous Jerry Gillies. And Jerry has been called one of the world's best seminar leaders by Jack Canfield, of all people. And in 1978, he created a book called Money Love, and it was published, going on to sell over 2 million copies worldwide. And many of today's prominent prosperity and new thought teachers were his students. His sequel, bringing his pioneer prosperity-conscious principles into the computer age, is called Money Love, 3.0, and I am very happy to have you on the show today. Welcome, and why don't you tell people where you're actually calling in from, which I think is just a great place.
0: Well, it's almost like visiting home because I was born and raised in Philadelphia and spent a lot of time uh, at the Jersey Shore on my vacations and often got into New Jersey. But right now I am living in the tropical paradise of Panama.
1: I love that. Uh, That's just wonderful. Hmm?
0: It's about eighty-six degrees out there now and sunny. (laughs)
1: Well, it's about twenty degrees here and it's windy and chilly and quite cold. So, I I think you got kind of the better the better deal of of this uh, broadcast thing at the moment. You're in the nice warm climate. In fact, I have
0: three fans. Going in my apartment now. Two ceiling fans and a floor fan.
1: <laughs> well, well, you know, when I I talked to somebody from Bali, and you know, we just had the most fun, sort of doing the compare and contrast because she was in in Bali, and you know, I was in New Jersey. It was sort of like New Jersey's nice, but you know, it's something wonderful about talking to people who are living their life and living their dream. From places that are wonderful and beautiful and powerful, I mean that's just makes it all all the better I think
0: that's true, and uh it's uh i'm I'm meeting more and more people now who are traveling the world and making a very good living while doing it it It's known as laptop entrepreneurship, and it's the coming new trend out in the economy now.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he the thing is I can do a show from anywhere. And of um, you know, I mean, you had a career as in, in broadcasting. Uh oh, my yes. early 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 career was in television and you know, you were except for remote locations, you were basically tied to a studio and tied to a place, but now people can broadcast from all over the place and things have really changed in the world.
0: Oh, dramatically. Uh, In fact, I, I had a
1: thought. It has
0: nothing to do with our subject, but it just popped into my head earlier this morning that so many things have dramatically changed, even in the last five years. And one technological marvel, engineering marvel, is still basically the same as it was about 100 years ago and that's what's contributing to Panama having the strongest growing economy in the Americas right now, the Panama Canal. Isn't it amazing? It's still the same technology that they used in 1914 when it opened.
1: That's, that's I don't amazing. think that's true of it, any
0: other industry.
1: That's that's, inter- that's interesting. Well, and it's just interesting now it's just be- becoming such a thriving community. I've been want- reading your post and and listening to this whole process of you making this decision to move, you know, to an, another whole another location, and and just that process and that learning and and all that that you are imparting to us all. I mean, it makes it interesting. That it makes it more realistic that people can do that. Where I don't think people thought they could do that, you know, well, twenty years ago. Well, there's still
0: a lot of ago. people that don't. You know, there's still a lot of people that don't realize how free they really are and uh, that they could be anywhere. And by going somewhere new, not to escape whatever you're leaving behind, but just to experience something new and be just a little bit uncomfortable, uh, especially if it's a country with a language uh, that you don't know or speak, uh, it stimulates your brain in a way, I think, that few other things do it's a it's a challenge and it keeps you awake and i dare say it keeps you young and thriving
1: that 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 is a good thing and it's a very good thing Let, let's talk a little bit about money love you wrote it in 1930 and 1938 sorry not 1938 1978 and we you know what what made you decide to write that version of the book then? And then talk a little bit about where you are with it now.
0: Well, I, about a year before I wrote it, I uh, met a man named Leonard Orr, who was talking about this thing called money consciousness. And he said something that made a lot of sense, and I had never thought of in that way before. He said, our emotional Reaction and attitudes to money itself, cash, how we felt about it, how we felt about wealth, how we felt about people who are wealthy, has a lot to do with how successful we are financially in our lives. So I began to explore it a lot further and talk about it. And one of the people I talked about it uh, to was my editor, for a book we were planning to do at a publishing house in New York, M. Evans and Company. And Herb Katz, who was the editor-in-chief, said, that's fascinating, tell me more. And I, I basically did a coaching session for him, because he was contemplating upgrading to a much better apartment that he wasn't sure he could afford. And I told him all the reasons why he should do it, because it will stretch his imagination, so he'll find a way to be able to afford it. And he did that, and he was just ecstatic. And when the book we were working on didn't seem to want to work out, somebody else came up with a similar idea, which actually never happened, so we could have gone ahead. But he said, why don't you write a book about this whole money thing you're talking about? And that's how Money Love got to be born. Right on the spot, we, I created the name, and uh, he said, can you write it in two months, And I said, yes, and I procrastinated until the last two and a half weeks, and I delivered it right on schedule.
1: But, of course, (laughs) I was talking
0: about the concepts. And the basic concepts are that we all have emotional attitudes about money, and we all have resistance, no matter how successful we may be, we still have resistance to becoming a lot more successful. There are obstacles that our subconscious throws in our way, and we have to find ways of circumventing and getting around and breaking down those obstacles and challenges. And that's basically what Money Love was all about.
1: And and it's just diving into what prevents somebody from, I mean, there's all sorts of, Beliefs. I mean, I know I grew up with sort of the family thing that you should never be too prosperous. You should never talk well, and about it probably, that your successes. Had more of an effect.
0: Yeah, that probably had more of an effect on you than you even realize. Oh, I pretty much realize it. <laughs> well, we all have that little negative voice. I even gave mine a name, uh, Stanley. And Stanley's in there saying, <laughs> you can't do it, you don't deserve it wealth is not good, if you become successful, something will go wrong, and uh, other people won't like you, and all the messages that we all get. And I discovered that for me, the way to deal with little Stanley, because you never, ever lose him completely, you can't get him removed by surgery, the way to deal with him is to bombard your subconscious mind with a very positive lifestyle with positive messages positive music positive people positive concepts and he will become so diluted that it'll have less than an impact less of an impact on your consciousness so at any given moment you're operating out of either poverty consciousness or prosperity consciousness you can't do both at the same time just as you can't have any primary thought in your consciousness uh, without focusing on it and not allowing any other primary thought in. So you get to really choose where you want to put your focus. And I think a lot of it is about clarity and focus and having the mental attitude that you deserve, that you're worthwhile, that you're capable, and all of those things that they say we should tell ourselves, but most people uh, fall behind in that department.
1: And, and we do. I mean, I, 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 I'm always amazed just at the kind of um, inner dialogue that goes in in my head, where I'm, you know, saying, you know, you're stupid, or I've done something. It's like how, how dumb are you? And and you just, and and you can be so harsh with yourself. We have to really just...
0: uh, we have to learn to forgive ourselves first and foremost. And we have to learn to forgive that little inner child within us that is hurting and lashing out whenever we try to achieve something and creating difficulty for us. You know, it's really a voice that's in pain and uh, quite often we try to just beat it over the head, but I think we have to be nurturing and kind to ourselves and forgiving and grateful for all the great stuff that does happen in each of our lives. I know a lot of people talk about gratitude, but I've seen the dynamics of gratitude in operation, and I see that it can be really transformative for just about anybody.
1: And and it's that ability to acknowledge what you have – in your life. Now, may, maybe what would be helpful is to clarify the idea of what prosperity might mean for people. Because I think some people sort of have, like, the Donald Trump or Oprah or Richard Branson kind of wealth in their heads and think, well, I can't ever do that. But does prosperity necessarily mean the amount of money you have in the bank, or, or can it Not mean at all. something and, else?
0: Uh, you know, money Love 3.0 really focuses a lot on what I see as prosperity, which is having a good life, doing work you love, having lots of love in your life, good health, a sense of uh, playfulness and joy, and incidentally, as a side effect, all the money you could possibly want. When it isn't a side effect, when it's a main focus, you really... Aren't in prosperity consciousness. You're still in poverty consciousness, thinking that money's going to solve your problems.
1: And I think and that's that's a kind of in, interesting dynamic, isn't it? Because I I know when I'm focused just on making money, or when I hear other people focused on making money, and and they're not enjoying anything, they aren't they aren't moving. You're just they're in the same place. But when people are living a good life, or happy, or have good friends, they seem to be much more prosperous and and joyous.
0: Well, and I find, and I've talked to a lot of very successful people in researching Money Love 3.0, and uh, I find that the most successful, even financially successful, are people who did not go into whatever they're now doing for the money. They didn't say, well, this is a way to make a lot of money, so this is what I'm going to do. They had an idea or a dream or something they enjoy doing, and then they tried to figure out, well, how can I get it out to the world? And, of course, in that process, you're delivering something to the world, and the world is giving you money in exchange for it. But it almost always, for the really prosperity-conscious people, is to do with what they're offering, how they're serving other people. And the more there's that focus... And the adventure and the excitement and the fun of it, and I think there are a lot of people. Uh, I um, have met Donald Trump, and I've read a lot of his stuff. I have a feeling that to him, money is really what it's all about. I mean, he—I think if he were broke, he would really be in dire straits and pain. And the real prosperity-conscious people are that way, whether they have money or not. Because they see lack of money and as a temporary circumstance that will be corrected and it doesn't diminish their spirit.
1: Their spirit. And I you know, I was I watched a um interview with Richard Branson and um uh Bishop Tutu. Um and what really sort of amazed me about the two people were I mean, they're coming from very different places in life but their essence their love their joy their curiosity for life was so so apparent and abundant and and they just i mean Desmond Tutu just giggles all the time if you've ever been in his presence and I've had the honor of being in his presence he giggles i mean just adores and well, loves life you could just see that in him
0: yeah, I've been in the presence of the Dalai Lama, and he giggles all the time. And uh, and in fact says the purpose of life is to be happy and experience joy. And that's it. There's nothing about making money or helping the world or any of that. the purpose of life is to be happy, to play, and to have fun, and to exude that energy so people are just happy being around you and or uh, of course if that's true they're going to be happy giving you money that's one of my basic affirmations people love giving me money
1: <laughs> well, that's a good one i like i like that i was reading you you've been kind enough to send me some chapters of of, of your book and i was reading the one um about humor and um, and I just love the idea of being humorous, laughing, enjoying things, just being funny and the idea that, you know, just what i was thinking of is I have a friend who owns another gallery up the block, and what he said to me is he said, when I think of you, he said, I smile. And I was thinking that is probably the nicest thing someone said to me. He said, you just make me laugh. And I thought, well, that you know, at the end of the day, if I could have some, somebody just if I make somebody laugh or happy, then then maybe I've done all I, I can do for the day. And I just love that idea of use of having humor and a sense of humor, as I said with you know Richard Branson and Desmond Tutu, just that natural kind of love of life humor that comes out. Can you I mean, can you sort of talk a little bit more about that because I don't think people really think about that in terms of money and prosperity.
0: Well, I'll I'll tell you something that was my criteria for all the people that I interviewed for the book, and several dozen. I only included them in the book if during our interview they laughed at least three times. (laughs) Otherwise, they didn't get into the book. And, uh, yeah, that, you know, I mean, they had to have other criteria, too, you know. But once I got them into an interview situation, were they laughing? Were they having a good time? And uh, most of them laughed a lot more than three times. And I think that that says a lot. And you're right about Richard Branson. Jeff Bezos of Amazon is another person who laughs a lot, if you've ever seen him interviewed, he's always laughing and smiling because he just loves what he's doing. And he wouldn't stop doing it uh, if he didn't make any money at it. He'd keep on doing it. So I think that's, that's an important criteria, especially in a time in which we have in some ways technologically moved out of the realm of face-to-face interaction And I think the more I talked about this in Money Love back 36 years ago and in a lot of my seminars, that what will be an option for people who want to be more successful is to provide more human connections as the world becomes more mechanical and computerized. And I think that's true. And you look around and see who is successful. It's the people that somehow have figured out that you treat people as if they're individuals and you uh, make individual contact. And even if you're a huge company, you can have that quality in your customer service department, in the way you interact with your clients or your customers. And it's amazing that so many people have not gotten that idea because the people that do have that concept are far and away the leaders in terms of success in the world.
1: Right, I mean, you think of um, with Zappos and and you know selling shoes and whatnot, but their customer service is excellent, and people just keep going back to them because of that. And I know, for me, the places that I don't do business with are the people places where I can't connect to anybody in any way, shape, or form. It's that ability to just sort of feel like somebody hears you and and sees you and acknowledges. Whatever it is that you've got going on that really kind of seems to make the difference in how you interact with people in the world.
0: And in writing Money Love 3.0, I tried to incorporate that in my writing. I attempt to have a conversation with the reader as if I were talking to a friend or even a few friends. And I think uh, that comes across, and I think that's important to not act like. You know, you're the professor and you're telling people how to do something because you're the expert and you know more than anybody else. It has to be a collaboration. The more it is, uh, the more successful and the more of a win-win situation it will be all the way around. Uh, One of the reasons I named, by the way, one of the concepts I came up with, in fact, since we first talked and scheduled this talk, Uh, I'm no longer calling them chapters in the book. I'm now calling them books because I realize they are so packed with information. And, in fact, most of them were going to be books that I was going to write one day and still may uh, because they cover so many different areas of life and prosperity. And the one on laughing, which I call laughing all the way, it's not only about laughing, it's about having a sense of humor, it's about having fun and a lot of play in your life and in your work. I actually was inspired to do that by uh, a review from the late, great Mandino, And he, was, he wrote a full-page review of Money Love. It actually came out a few years after the book was published, in which he said, Jerry Gillies will have you laughing all the way to the bank. And that was like one of the great compliments I thought I ever received. Like you said <laughs> how good it felt when someone said you make them smile. Well, what better compliment can you get than that that someone feels good, they feel uplifted when they're in your presence. Now all you have to do I is know, figure out how to Now you have to figure out how to charge for that.
1: <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll keep reading. I'll keep reading your book and, and then find out. I mean well, that's the that I I have Go ahead. No, no, yeah, go I've ahead. Talked to,
0: t- yeah, I've talked to uh, coaches who say that's basically what they do. They find what makes someone feel good, and how can they then put that out into the world so people will want to buy it. And it's the a way to, to find your great path to prosperity. <laughs>
1: Is, is is how to how to how to bottle making people feel good so that uh, you can you can uh, it, feel good while you're making people feel good and also laugh all the way to the bank. That's 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 what you're saying, right? It's a, uh, in it's in
0: essence, yes. Uh, you know, we get I, it's so simple, and most people don't even get it. We get all our money from other people who buy our goods, our services, our ideas, our talents, whatever they may be out in the world. And the better they feel about who we are, the more attractive we are and the more on purpose we are. So we know what we want to do and what we're delivering to the world. Uh, Success just happens. I mean, it's really very easy from that point on.
1: No, that's, that, that, well, you know, I, I just love that idea of, um, I mean, I just love the idea of, of, well, your book, first of all, but the idea of just really doing what you love and, and just having that work out in a, a better way and just having people just sort of come to you for that that kind of thing that you you're providing for them but it's coming out of that sense of joy and happiness and and love of, of what you're doing. I, it's it, you know, it's just the, it's such a different concept than working nine to five and working to pay the bills and working just to sort of make enough money to retire and then sort of, you know, die. I mean, that's kind of the the model that we've grown up with. and, yeah, and that, it's changing, but
0: there's still. It is changing, but there are a lot of people still stuck in that model. And it's a little more than just doing what you love. I mean, you really have to have a passion for whatever you're doing and also a clear idea of what you want and how to go out and ask for it. You know, not only do the work you love and what feels good for you, But what do you want in return to have real clarity and focus about that? One of the people I talk to a lot in the book, a psychologist named Maria Nemeth, who wrote a book called The Energy of Money, she says, when we do what we do with clarity, focus, ease, and grace, we can't help but be successful. And if you look at those four criteria, you know, are you clear? You know, do you focus on what you want and what you're doing? Do you do it easily so you're not struggling and straining all the time? And do you have a certain elegance and grace when you're doing it? And all, it's like doing a dance. You know, some people are doing a wrestling match when they go out in the world and, and try to create whatever they want for themselves. And other people, it just looks like a dance. Richard Branson's one of those people, for instance. He makes it look easy, and in fact, for him, it is easy, because he believes it's easy. And he's believed that since he was a kid in school, when he started his own newspaper and made a fortune selling subscriptions even to other schools. Uh, So he always has been an entrepreneur, and he's always taken great joy in giving people what they want.
1: You and that, and that I think you can't you can't go wrong with that, and and that's I I guess well we we're, we're just at the half hour mark, so why don't we um, let people know where they can find you in the meantime in case they want to kind of look at your website, and you also do have an offer. Um, you have something for our listeners. So do you want to share your your, your blog information and, and the, the link to where people can get the offer that you've provided for us?
0: I would love to. It's moneyloveblog.com. One word, moneyloveblog.com. And what I'm offering is an audio, a free audio, Up until now, we've charged $27 for, actually. And the audio is actually uh, the inspiration for one of the books in Money Love 3.0, which is called Building a Prosperous Spirit. And the audio basically talks about how to do that with some really good advice from uh, not only myself, but some real powerful prosperity teachers, including Maria Nemeth, who I just mentioned and people will get that audio, plus they'll get something that I've been doing and updating every year for the last 30 years, because I'm very focused on questions. And a number of people I talked to said, one of the secrets of success is asking the right questions. And I've come up with 115 questions for 2015. And some of them have to do with prosperity, some of them have to do with love, some of them have to do with your life. Looking back at 2014, what can you learn from it? What are your aspirations and goals and desires for 2015? And it's 16 pages, and people can take the questionnaire and learn a lot about themselves. And if they want to share it with somebody, you know, have a really nice interaction. And they can take as long as they want to do it. So they'll get the questionnaire and the audio, and the way to do that is to click on, I understand you'll have it on your archives, to click on moneyloveblog.com slash SLS. And you know, when my partner first showed that to me, I had no idea what the, why he chose SLS. It took me all day to figure out that stands for Sandra Lee Schubert. <laughs> So it's moneyloveblog.com dot com slash uh, s l s
1: s l s I love my initials attached audio. to this. Oh, good. No, I'm sure they will. I've, I have uh, some of your audio audios on my computer, and, and they are quite fun to listen to. So, okay, so we've got a ha- just about a half hour left, and we've you've got a lot of stuff in, in, in your book. So, if we have somebody right now that's listening? and they're kind of feeling a little down about life, maybe they don't have as much money as they they want, you know, and they're listening to this and they're saying, ah, that works for you, but what about me? I don't have a passion. I don't have this. I don't have that. What would you say to to that particular person who maybe doesn't have that thing that they can latch on to at the moment?
0: Well, everybody has something they're good at and enjoy doing. And the disconnect is that a lot of people haven't connected that with possibly making money in their life. So one of the one of the important it sounds very simple and most things that work in life I have discovered are very simple so that you say why didn't I think of that? And the simple thing is to look at what people have praised you about in your life, what have they complimented you on? I guarantee if I were sitting down in a coaching session with anyone out there, no matter what kind of dire straits they were in now, we could find something that they never thought of doing to earn a living that other people have really enjoyed about them and there there is a way to turn that into a profit making center. And we, uh, one of my strategies, and I talk about this in the book, and in fact, people have come back to me and uh, have said it produced amazing results and changes in their whole life, and I call it the compliment bulletin board. And before the age of the computer, when I came up with it originally, if someone paid me a compliment, suppose someone came up and said, oh, I loved what you said about so-and-so, you know, it was, and I had so much... Uh, fun listening to you I'd say would you please write that down and sign it and then I would put it up on my compliment bulletin board because normally when we get a compliment it goes in one ear and out the other but a compliment can be a source of real encouragement and a way of experiencing our own value sent back to us multiplied by having it around and seeing it I have compliments from 20, 30 years ago, and from a few months ago, and from last week. And I circulate and keep on, you know, switching them around. I also have now my virtual compliment bulletin board on my desktop. So when people send me emails saying, we really like this or we like that, it doesn't have to be about the work I do. Uh, For example, I was in a – for a nonprofit expat organization – here in Panama, I was in a murder mystery dinner theater play, a comedy. And several people came up to me and said, you know, you were really funny and and silly and you played a stupid cop very well. Well, for me, that was a compliment. I mean, I I'm not going to turn that into money, but I don't need to because just reading it, I say, well, you know, I made someone feel good. So I must be worthwhile in some way. And you need to constantly remind yourself that you are important. You do have an impact on the world. You have had an impact on other people, and you probably just haven't listened when they tried to tell you that.
1: And I, I think people do dismiss compliments a lot. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing I've I've had to learn to do is just say thank you when somebody compliments me and but that's a challenge where we are brought up not to, to to dismiss that kind of that kind of thing when it comes to us.
0: Yeah, and it's a real mistake with there There's so many natural resources we all have that we either ignore or dismiss. And I I think that's why a lot of people are stuck. I usually uh, one of my skills because I've been working with people and coaching people for a long time is I can look at somebody, and in five minutes or ten minutes of conversation, I can tell what their main issue is and why they haven't gotten where they want to go. It's so obvious. And you've probably seen that, too. You probably know people that are always complaining, and you know exactly what their problem is, but they just can't seem to see it.
1: Mark. Well, it's 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 very good to have somebody around you who can spot that in you, though. That's not always that's not always the case, though.
0: No, and I think that's why probably personal coaches and prosperity coaches have become such a boom industry, because some people just don't have people in their lives. Now, I wrote a book many years ago before I even wrote Money Love called Friends, The Power and Potential of the Company You Keep. And one of the things I suggested in that book was that you have an interpersonal support system. In other words, a group of people in your life who do support you being successful. And if you look now, in fact, some of the questions in my 115 questions that I'm you know, offering as a gift, some of those questions have to do with you know, who were three people that really encouraged you and supported you in the last year? And who is somebody you could just as well do without in your life because they haven't added anything to it? Uh, you yeah, know, we all have that person, you know. The, oh, wow, well, I've known them for 30 years. Yeah, but every time you go with him, you, you feel like you need, you know, a seminar or uh, a therapy session. Because they pull you down with them they're they're emotional vampires, and there oh, are yeah. people out there who are going to make you feel better just by being around them, or like you, you're going to make your friends smile just being in your presence or even just thinking about being in your presence, so you're someone that person should definitely you know keep in their interpersonal environment and make the most of.
1: And and that that does make a, a big difference. I mean, I know there's someone in my life who I I do like a lot, but every time I talk to them, they always talk about how expensive things are. They always talk about oh that cost a lot of money, oh that's so pricey, oh that's so difficult, and I I you know I just kind of go like oh, and no, really, it's not. It's not really that that expensive. No, it's all relative. You know, a good meal you know, in good company and good food, it, you maybe really can't put a price on, on, on that. So it's and interesting that, that person, to sort of look. Okay, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say that person is repeating a mantra they probably got from their parents who probably told them, you know, be careful with money. It's very limited. Uh, don't spend money on yourself for pleasure or enjoyment. Take it more seriously than that. Uh, and uh, if you go out and buy something you really want, you know, something terrible will happen. And uh, that kind of, uh, parental programming, which they probably, it isn't their fault. They probably got it from their parents. It, it's sent down generation after generation. And you need to look at that and work with that and reprogram that really, because it will drag you down every time. And just being around that person. Uh, it can be a real down experience and get in the way of your own success because you do yeah, repeat then, those messages subconsciously in your own head.
1: Right, and, and 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 I know sometimes the reason it affects me is because I do sometimes believe that, and I'm kind of like, no, I really just want to be away from that kind of thinking. I I don't want to have to perpetuate that kind of thinking. I want to perpetuate something that's a little little richer, a little more robust in my life.
0: Well, And speaking of robust, that's one of my favorite chapters, robust expectations and how important they are to have and to create an environment in which they'll be present in your life, to look forward to things. And they can be small things. They can be big things. If you are using your subconscious mind to happily anticipate something coming into your life, you're not going to repeat a lot of those negative messages. There's not going to be room for them to be repeated. And I got that from, I think, one of the great geniuses of the 20th century, Norman Cousins, who was a friend and a great mentor to me. And I asked him when I was doing a book about how to extend your life How to increase your lifespan using your mind. What kind of emotional, mental attitude will enhance the possibility of people living a lot longer and taking advantage of all the new biological opportunities coming into the world? And I I knew that Norman knew probably more famous people than anyone alive. Uh, 30 years as editor of one of the major magazines, Saturday Review, a humanitarian working with the U.N. He knew eight presidents of the U.S. personally and went on missions with a lot of them. For example, he went on a mission for John F. Kennedy uh, to uh, get the Pope and Khrushchev together uh, on nuclear disarmament. Uh, And he was a close friend of Albert Einstein's and Albert Schweitzer's. So I said, well, you know all these great people What do they have in common? What's one commonality, one common factor, something they all possessed? And he sort of scratched his head for a minute and he said, you know, every single one of them, without exception, wakes up every single morning with robust expectations. And that became one of my favorite phrases of all time, and I try to live by that. I don't always succeed but I would say most days I wake up and I have specific things I'm looking forward to coming into my life. And so I don't have a lot of room for negative fears and anxieties about bad things coming into my life.
1: That that that's really that's kind of wonderful. I mean it's, it's that idea of just uh, I think we, or at least we, we have been so trained to expect the worst. And what you're you're saying is just
0: eliminate
1: that kind of expectation and really go for the powerful, as you call them, robust expectations and just don't allow room for anything else to be in your, your existence.
0: And I will lend a cautionary note to that. You never totally get rid of that negative voice, those negative expectations. But you can deal with it by bringing in a lot of positive expectations and events and things that you do so that it does get lost in the crowd. You know, it's like Waldo. Waldo gets lost in the crowd. He's always there, but he gets pretty hard to find after a while because the crowd keeps getting bigger. (laughs)
1: That's <laughs> right. That's right. That's a that's a good way to look at looking at that. Can we talk a little bit about time? Because I I love the chapter you or your your book on time and and that particular um, segment has its own 18 page appendix which is also quite impressive. But I I really yeah, like one of the how ways... you.
0: Hmm? Well, it's one of the ways in which the book is different. I have that chapter, or book as I'm calling them, uh, has its own appendix. I don't know if anybody's ever done that before. But it was because we had a certain flow, and I had basically a co-author for that chapter, someone I've learned from, and who thinks along the same lines I do about time, a man named Martin Borison, who wrote a book called uh, One Moment Meditation. He teaches people to meditate in one minute. And so he's explored how we can bend time, how we can use time, how we can play with time, how we can make it more our friend than our enemy. And I've always believed, and I've thought about doing a book on this, and basically I did, with the appendix. It's about 45 pages long. And we may someday release it as a separate book. Maybe I'll add a few things. But actually, in the form it's now in, it pretty much says it all. Someone looking at that and reading it right through will have a whole new concept of what time is about and how we have imprisoned ourselves in a very narrow view of time that goes back to the Middle Ages. Isaac Newton was the first one to really come up with the concept of clocks and time and fixed time and structure And that is so out of date now. And you're seeing that more and more in progressive companies like the high tech companies that have flex time. You're seeing it in a lot of the workplace. You know, who says that it takes 40 hours to make a living? You know, that that was just a construct under certain circumstances that occurred years ago. And we're stuck with it. But we're not stuck with it. We can create. And one of the things that I think makes for a happy life, at least my life, is I've created a time-free zone. I do not live by schedule. If I want to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning when I happen to be very creative and write for a few hours and then maybe go back to sleep, there's no one saying I can't do that. There's no one I have to report to. And the more we move away from that and into the freedom of time, Uh, the more our lives will work and the more uh, we will appreciate the fact that time is much more important than money. I think anybody that thinks money is more important than time has just got it backward and they're going to be frustrated most of their lives.
1: Yeah, and it is, I mean, you talk about it other people talk about the idea when you're in, in doing something that you really love, how time just kind of disappears and you lose that sense of time because you're just really so deeply involved in whatever it is that you're doing. And that experience of just time sort of disappearing is really just sort of wonderful and delicious, but people don't sort of deal with that. They want to know what where we are in time, where we are at, structure it, and it gets a little, it it does get a little imprisoning for you.
0: Absolutely, and and I think the idea is to get to that place where a lot of what you do has that timeless quality to it. Because according to a lot of physicists, time doesn't even really exist. I mean, we made it up, and now we're sort of, you know, it's ridiculous that we're allowing it to get in our way of living our lives. And one of the, uh, Martin Borison points out, and I point out, that one of the things that's going on, and it's not a good thing, it's a trend, and I notice it among a lot of my friends and people I really have high regard for, they have created a situation where they're always busy. Every time you suggest something or ask them to do something, oh, I'm crazy busy, I couldn't possibly... Do that, and that is such a weakening, and dis, uh, disavowing and debilitating message that we give ourselves. You can create time in any form you want, and if you're entrapped in a very narrow concept of time, it's going to dictate your whole life and how it goes. Uh, one of the, one of the quotes I have uh, is from Queen Elizabeth the First. And it was said when she was having her, taking her dying breath back in 1603. She said, All my possessions for a moment of time. And that's true. You you cannot buy an extra moment of time for millions of dollars. It just uh, is so less, money is so less important. Than your time and how you use time well in your life,
1: and, and I do see, you know, I I see that people really become um, there's the tyranny of time, and and people are like I can't go and go take a walk because I've got to do so this project or that project, or I or I can't go and and just you know, hang out, just be with people, because there's this work to do. Like there's this sort of deep, powerful, important work, but it's not its not really necessarily that important. It's kind of busy work, and it just seems to prevent people from just sort of having unexpected opportunities show up and unexpected moments where they can really – engage and, and create and, and, and be in the world unfettered by the clock.
0: Right. Uh, one of the things I say in Time Love is our very perception of time is ruled by emotions and beliefs rather than the clock. And uh, it's true that passion trumps the clock in terms of the value of your time. The most uh, valuable and precious time we experience is in those moments which you've already alluded to and which we're so passionately engaged in in some aspect of our lives that we, we lose our sense of time and the passing of time. And we've all had them. That's the amazing part. We've all had those moments and we don't value them enough to go back and seek more of them. And we can create as many of them as we want we can really live our lives in a time-free zone and you don't have to be rich and you don't have to be powerful and you don't have to be famous you just need to make a decision i'm going to be in charge i'm going to own my time not manage because that's also going back to the old concept from isaac newton to manage your time as if it's a fixed entity in the universe and we have to manage it no we can take charge of it you can create your own time in in very effective ways and I have a, a number of what I call time awareness exercises that allow people to uh, play with time to use time in some different ways and I think uh, we need to learn to explore and play with time uh, if you like I'll share one of those with you
1: I, I Please do. I think our our listeners would love that.
0: Well, uh, here's something I've been looking at, and quite recently. I've been looking at what would it be like, in other words, we all believe a day is 24 hours long. What if we changed that, just imagined it changing so that 24 hours contains two full days? Now, I've done this by going to sleep at midnight, getting up at 4, working at the computer and writing, going back to sleep at 10 a.m. until 2 or 3 in the afternoon when I may get up and even have a second breakfast and get into creative work until maybe 7 p.m. and then have a relaxing evening and go back to bed at midnight. And it gives you – I'm not suggesting that people do this as a lifestyle unless it feels good. Some people may want to explore it. But to just try that for one 24-hour period – and it will teach you something about how you are governed by old beliefs and old constructs and old uh, negative concepts about time, and that you are much more in charge than you've ever believed possible. So you have to be willing to explore and to experiment with some new ideas about time as you have to about anything in in your life that might be in, right. in some way blocking you. One of the things about Money Love 3.0 that I'm excited about is that I look at so many different factors, any one of which could take someone to a whole new place in their life. Like I have a chapter just about quotes called Quote Love. I mean, we all like quotes. We all have favorite quotes. And what we do is we'll put them up on the wall or we'll memorize them or we'll share them on Facebook or whatever we can do a lot more, because quotes are the sum total of all the wisdom that this person got in a long life of accomplishment. You know, everybody, like if you like an Albert Einstein quote, I mean, this is something, he didn't just make that up on the spur of the moment. Uh, He had a whole life of discovery and curiosity and wisdom, and he boiled it down to maybe a single sentence. And what I have come up with are a bunch of exercises that take quotes and look at them in some different ways. Now, I don't suggest that people go into that book or that chapter, Quote Love, and try to get through it all at once, because there are 100 quota sizes contained in the chapter, and you can spend years finding your favorite quotes or looking up new quotes. They're all over the place. We've never had easier access to brilliant statements made by people and you find a quote you really like and you look at it in a different way or you explore it or you play a game with it or you do an exercise with it and it will give you another way of seeing that particular quote and being able to use it to build your consciousness your positive awareness of of life being really joyful and triumphant and, again, it's it's not really a – money is secondary. Money is incidental. Money, as I said, is a side effect. If you're living your life with passion and purpose, the money takes care of itself because people just want to be around you and they want to partake of whatever you're offering in the world.
1: That, that's very true, and I, I think one of the things that – I liked most about your work through the years, and and in reading the the different uh, new books and, and Money Love 3.0, is it, that you ask people to really sort of look at life differently, maybe break it open a bit, and 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 see how you can just maybe rearrange things differently and 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 move forward. It's it's just asking to to view the world in a slightly different way than you may have been viewing it in the past.
0: Yeah, and here's a provocative comment, and several very powerful teachers I interviewed uh, underline this. The world's not what's real. What's real is what's inside your mind and your subconscious and your consciousness. You have created the world as a reflection of whatever your beliefs are, your, your fears, your aspirations. And that's what can be changed. And the world will respond to that. So anything you think is negative in the world, that's not where you go to fix it. You go inside. Now, how am I responding and reacting to what's happening? Because what's happening in front of you is just a reflection of who you are and what you believe. And that's what can be easily changed. I say easily but you know sometimes it does take effort but the effort can be a lot of fun it can be a joyous process for people and I I want to make it an adventure for people I want people to have fun I want them to dip into the new book and and have delightful experiences every time they focus on a different one of the 12 segments the 12 books or you know I don't even mind if people want to call them chapters uh whatever you want to call them there are 12 different parts. It's a, it's a prosperity library. And again, I want to emphasize, when I say prosperity, I'm not talking about money. Money is just a part of it. Money is something that I've talked to many, many people who are financially successful beyond where most people are, and money is never the big thing for them. Money has just happened because they got clear about who they were, which is important, who are you and what do you offer and what do you want back in exchange for what you offer and as soon as you get clear on that things begin to fall into place it, it's quite magical even though it's very practical and down to earth
1: it, it it is it's really it's 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 a good solid book and it's fun and it's it's got juicy wonderful things in it and in our last minute together, why' don't you Why don't you let people know one where when the book's going to come out because it's not quite out yet, where we can find it, and where they can go to for their uh, gifts for just listening in today?
0: Okay, well, the book will be officially launched uh, in a PDF format online next Thursday, December, or, I'm sorry, January 15th. 2015. I was so proud of myself because I didn't write 2014 anywhere, and <laughs> I only got the month wrong this time. uh And again, I'm in a time free zone here, so I sometimes lose track. But January 15th, Money Love 3.0 will be delivered to the world, and I'm excited about seeing what the response is. I'm really, you know, it's a funny thing. People said, "Well." You know, you you may make a lot of money with this book. You made a lot of money with Money Love, and you say this book's even better. Well, you know, that's probably true, but I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about how much money the people reading it are going to make, how much happier lives they might have, how much fun they're going to have trying some of this stuff out, and how much uh, more recognition all the people I interviewed who are sort of my mentors and teachers, because a lot of them are not that well-known in the world, though they're all successful in different ways, Uh, I'm looking forward to introducing the world to them. And so I hope they become a lot more successful. So if all my readers and my contributors and all the people that help me promote the book uh, get very successful, uh, you know, I don't even have to think about how successful I'll be because that will just be a side effect of everything. And that's uh, the way to look at it. And to get the free audio and the 115 questions, which is a great way to start the year. I'm still working on mine. I'm answering my own. And uh, I've already discovered some new stuff about myself and where I want to go this year. And I've only gotten through about 12 of the 115 questions so far. Uh, So you get a free questionnaire and the audio on Building a Prosperous Spirit by going to moneyloveblog.com/sls for Sandra Lee Schubert and uh and if you want to just visit my blog and read some of my uh you know comments and ideas about prosperity we I have about 200 posts over the last 5 years that are there that's just moneyloveblog.com
1: very good. Well, Jerry, I just want to thank you for for joining us today, for sharing some of your wisdom and for just giving everyone a lot to to play with and have fun with and and enjoy. And I look forward to continuing our our communication together. It's been great fun getting to know you.
0: Well, thank you and it's uh, so nice to have spent an afternoon in New Jersey. <laughs>
1: Well, thank thank you. And on that note, I would like to thank Iconic Images Art Gallery for letting me broadcast live from here, and Dave Pucciarelli for doing that, and also for Jed Luckless, Luckless for providing the music that opens and closes the show. And with that, we will say goodbye. enjoyed the show. It is really great fun to speak to people and find out what they're doing in the world. If you are interested in reaching out on air, online, or in person, let me show you how. I am partnered with some great people, some strategic thinkers and consultants to bring you the best services available. Call me at 347-560-1624. Or email me at Schubert at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you.